Welcome to Mitten Money, delivering insights from Michigan-based business leaders, big and small. William Zank, host of Mitten Money at TriStar Trust, loves nothing more than creating this masterclass so that you can get insight to guide your leadership journey in just under 30 minutes. Subscribe today and connect with William at mittenmoney.com. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another exciting installment of Mitten Money. My name's Abby. I'm the marketing coordinator for TriStar and a producer for Mitten Money here. I just want to extend a congratulations to our host, Will, as he is currently out on paternity leave. I'm so excited to tee up this episode for you. Not sure if you're a classical music fan? Find out as we talk to Cameron Massey from the Saginaw Bay Symphony Orchestra to hear about their upcoming season and what makes them stand out in Michigan. And so, Cameron, how did you get first involved with the Saginaw Bay Symphony Orchestra? I understand that before this, you owned your own advertising business. Is that correct? Yeah, I've run a marketing company here in Saginaw with my wife for the last five to seven years now. That was great. A great way to get to know all the local business people here in Saginaw and the people who really drive Saginaw forward. I got to you know know their passions. I got to know these people really deeply and kind of become part of the community, which was great. And that led to me really wanting to give back to Saginaw. So I started looking for volunteer opportunities and ways that I could try to not just work with the city, but work for the city as well and help elevate the city in the way that I saw. And the first opportunity that came along for that was the Saginaw Bay Symphony Orchestra. I had a friend, Josie, who was working here in a marketing position at the time. I put something out on social media about looking for volunteer opportunities. And she uh, responded right away and said, the orchestra is always looking for volunteers. And I've had a passion for classical music since uh, I was young. So that was kind of a perfect fit there. And I jumped on that immediately. And I came to our audience development committee here at the orchestra. As a marketing person, I had a ton of great ideas for how we could do marketing, how we could make the next season the most attended season ever. I I came in really gung-ho. And then COVID hit the next week after that. So for the next season over COVID, rather than halting our concerts at the orchestra, we had every single concert here. We had every musician, uh, paid every musician just as we would for a normal concert. And when we had safety measures like the dividers, the plexiglass and the masks and all of that, but we brought the music to people in their homes by having TV crews come in and we had WNEM come in and record the concerts and broadcast them live on TV. So that created kind of an opportunity for me with marketing to work more closely with the orchestra. And after a while, I went on to the board of directors. And then when the transitionary period came here for leadership, there was an opportunity for me to run the orchestra. And that's been a dream come true. And that was about a year ago in July. So that's my history with the orchestra and how I got started with the organization. Yeah, definitely. That makes sense with the love of classical music. Now, did you play any instruments when you were a kid or growing up, or maybe you still do now? I've always played instruments. I've had a curiosity for pretty much anything with strings, but uh, the instruments I know best would be guitar, piano, bass, those kinds of things. And more from the folk side or the rock side than the classical side. I took band in high school, but never or anything beyond that. I always joke, you know, people say, oh, do you play any classical instruments? And I say, no, I pay people to do that for me. <laughs> um, I, um, our musicians are incredibly talented. They are one of a kind orchestra and this one of a kind collection of just some of the absolute greatest musicians from all over Michigan. And yeah, when I watch the orchestra, it's very easy for me to wish that I had that kind of talent and that I could be one of the people on there. But 
I think my place is really here showing the passion and being the bridge between the community and the orchestra. As far as instruments I've played myself, I used to play in the house band for the Hamilton Street Pub. So <laughs> I've played in, you know, little house bands and stuff like that around the city, but nothing on a professional level. Definitely nowhere near the level of our incredible musicians here at the orchestra. The people are extremely talented, so I could definitely see it would be very tough to go live up to those kind of expectations as well. And so if you don't mind me asking, Cameron, when you guys are planning your next upcoming season, off-season with uh, quotation marks, what kind of things do you take into account regarding you know what's trending on audience? Is it something to where you might see maybe this might be some better music for what's seasonally more in trend? Or you know this might be something hot that's coming across for our industry. Maybe that's something we should also focus in on. Absolutely. That's a great question. And all of my background, understand, is in the marketing um, sides and the organizational side. And luckily, we have our maestro, who is Maestro Fuad Fakori, our conductor and music director. And he has a, a very rich educational background in music. He knows the history of the music and the music itself like the back of his hand. He does the programming, all of the pieces that are planned that we do. Those all come from him, and he has done some just phenomenal programming for us. He has put together some really great seasons. I had the joy and pleasure of working with him a little bit more closely on this season because we had some very special things. We wanted to make sure this season had kind of some extra firepower behind it. And so we worked together um, to see, you know, what can we do? Where are our limits? What can we push and which boundaries can we find? And we found those pretty much on the nose. I've looked at uh, every single concert that we have planned so far, and I think any one of these concerts could have been a season finale of a past season. So you've just got basically five finale-worthy concerts lined up in a row. That's basically where it comes from. As far as what we keep into consideration, I imagine the maestro pays attention to a lot of things as far as what's popular, what's being played right now, what people are paying attention to, but also we like to have a message. For example, last season, a lot of our concerts had a message of welcoming and inclusivity. So the maestro was able to work with us to focus on which communities we wanted to reach out to and create concerts that specifically touched each community and each type of different ticket buyer for our orchestra. So we looked at reasons why people are buying tickets. Some people want to hear something new that challenges the orchestra that they've never heard before. While some people want to hear something that they've heard a million times because it's incredibly famous, and some people like to hear the more popular new music. So we try to do something that appeals to everyone, and we're always looking in the background at metrics. We pay attention to all kinds of audience analytics to see who we're reaching, uh, who we could better be reaching. And then we're looking at our community as a whole and how we can be a responsible member of our community and make sure that we are choosing programming that accurately represents and welcomes all of the community here in Saginaw. Certainly, no, it must be tough. I can understand whether it's popular music. I can also understand, too. I've even seen some things in the news where people are coming out to go listen to music that's been featured in video games yeah. or movies. And so it's very tough to go find, okay, what's going to be the best? But, you know, that's why there's extremely talented people like the guy and he can make those decisions and, you know, what might be the best for the orchestra. So that's phenomenal. And so I can also see that while the orchestra is considered small compared to others across the state, how do you 
compare and try and still be in competition with other orchestras that may be bigger, or I shouldn't say bigger is a wrong word, but maybe in a different geographical area to where they have a bigger population to possibly draw upon. Sure. Yeah. And I have a few things on there. So firstly, as far as size, the size of how many musicians are on stage is always determined by the piece of music. So every piece or every symphony will come baked in and it'll say you have this many people in this section. So as far as size, what determines the size of an orchestra is basically the budget of our programming and how many concerts you know we can afford to put on per year. The goal is always, of course, the most music possible. That's our goal is to bring as much music as we possibly can to Saginaw. But as it is, we can have five concerts per year and our budget level puts us within, I think, a schedule of seven as far as the League of American Orchestras designations go. Now, as far as competition with other orchestras, it's a very interesting question because, of course, there's that with classical music and with anything that requires the amount of precision and dedication that classical music does, especially on the musician level, because they're auditioning for the process and they are competing against each other. And the musicians are very competitive to get that first chair and who gets to be in the orchestra and all of that. But as far as orchestras themselves, I don't see it as us competing against each other. I see it as sort of an ecosystem. If something happens to another orchestra, that's a panic mode for us because that means there's less music out there. That means that the classical music is not at its full health. We want classical music itself to be as healthy as possible so that it can survive for generations and generations. We don't see it as competition. We keep in very close contact. I have meetings weekly with the other executive directors for the other orchestras all throughout Michigan. For example, the guy who runs the Midland Symphony Orchestra will get coffee regularly. He's a very good, great guy. Really, really like Matt. It's not a as competitive through the orchestras as you'd think. But we do want to stay exciting. We do want to be on that front edge, and we always want to be better. We are always looking to be the best orchestra we can. There's so many examples of how Saginaw is really welcoming of art right now. And that's something that we hear about the orchestra, too. We heard this orchestra performs out of its league. That's what we've heard for years now. Saginaw is ready for that next level of programming. We're looking at operating on a new level. We're looking at closer to things like what Flint does. We're not looking to things that we've done in our past. We're looking to what the bigger orchestras are doing in that next level up and how we can evolve and bring Saginaw what it truly wants to really excite the community. So that's where we came at with this new season. Uh, we've put together our new season, which is our 88th season of music. We call it a journey through time and space because it's bigger than any season that we've ever done. This is literally our biggest budget season that we've ever had. And we have a lot of just really incredible things going on in the season. I'd love to tell you about it if you have the time here. No, sure. Go dive into a little bit more of it if you don't mind. It sounds uh, really intriguing to myself. You know, if it sounds intriguing to myself, probably sounds intriguing to listeners tuning in right now. So let's hear a little more about it. Okay, so we start the season off in October. On October 7th, we start the season with our first ever hybrid projection show, full concert. So the first part of the concert is uh, regular. It's all classical music, but it's uh, space-themed classical music. We have things like Roos's Phaethon and the Close Encounters of the Third Kind theme by John Williams. And then the second half of the concert will have a projection screen that is rolled down above the orchestra, so like a movie. And then we have a synchronized projection that plays on that screen that is timed to Holst's The Planets. So we'll be playing Holst's The Planets, which is an incredibly 
famous and beautiful, beautiful piece of music. And we'll be playing um, every movement of that, which each movement is dedicated to a different planet and captures the feel of that planet. And that's where the journey through time and space begins in that first concert. So that's going to be great. That's the first time that we've ever done a concert with a projection element, with a visual element to it on stage there. We're seeing all over the country that these hybrid projection concerts are uh, the next big thing and people are looking to have more of an experience and they're looking to be more immersed. So we're welcoming that with our first concert. Our second concert is our Holiday Pops, our Christmas concert, which is usually one of our biggest concerts of the year. And this year we're really going all out. We had a concert last year where we celebrated Black composers and the huge monumental strides towards musical history and towards music as a whole. We saw a really great reception from Saginaw and saw just, you know, we've noticed that whenever we can have and support a musician from Saginaw and from our community on that stage, that means a lot to Saginaw. So for our Christmas concert, we doubled down, tripled down on that exact concept, and we have three of Saginaw's own celebrity vocalists, three of the biggest voices out of Saginaw here joining us on stage for our biggest Christmas concert for the community ever, and that's going to be Cherie Williams. We have Todd Michael Hall, who is a phenomenal rock and roll kind of vocalist. He was on The Voice. And then we have Amy Petty joining us as well, who is just a wonderful, wonderfully talented vocalist. So we have just got three unique, absolute superstars. And that's why we're calling it, you know, Saginaw Holiday Superstars for that concert. Our uh, third and fourth concert are going to be guest artists featuring that we have coming in from all over the country. The first one is Alessio Bax. He's a famous pianist and he's coming in from Manhattan, but he is from Italy. And he's won all kinds of awards for his piano playing. So we're very lucky to have him here in Saginaw and welcome him to our stage now. And he's going to be joining us for a couple of pieces in a concert that is entirely Tchaikovsky. So we're playing Tchaikovsky's masterpieces. And it's really just kind of a, a dedication to the music of Tchaikovsky there. That'll be a great concert. And as is the next concert after that, which has two major aspects to it. We're going to be playing Bartok's Concerto for Orchestra, I believe, is the name of it. And it's a very, very difficult piece of classical music for orchestras. So that's really great. The last concert of our season for our finale of the season, we wanted to do something really big. We wanted to especially do something huge this season to bring new people in. We talked earlier about how there's a lot of people out there who probably are fans of classical music who don't know it yet because they haven't realized it hasn't been brought to the foreground for them. And a great example of that is movies. If you've ever seen a major movie, any major Hollywood action blockbuster like a J.J. Abrams film, you have been moved by that classical music. If you take the music out of the background, a lot of those pieces and a lot of the sequences lose their impact. And that shows the power of the music. And all over the country, we've seen these happening. We've seen these big shows where people are doing motion pictures. They're doing movies. And these orchestras are doing movies where they have the sound effects playing on screen. They have the dialogue playing on screen. And you hear all of the explosions. You hear all of the uh, everything. But the music is cut out from the audio. And they have the symphony orchestra below the theater screen, below the movie screen, the full symphony orchestra playing every piece of music that appears in the film live with the film synchronized. And when I first came to the orchestra, I said, you know, why haven't we tried doing one? 
It was a lot of reservations. It's very expensive. We don't know if Saginaw's ready for that kind of thing. No one's done that around this area before. It's just, it'll never happen. So I made it happen. That's I. I worked with the board. We worked with the music director and and Fuara had many conversations. The board and I had many conversations and it really was a team effort. All of us worked to do this together and we said, Saginaw is ready. We can find a way. And we are incredibly proud to be bringing J.J. Abrams' 2009 Star Trek film to the Temple Theater in April 27th. We will have the full movie playing like it would be in the movie theater on the projector screen. You'll see the full film. But like I said, the audio is cut from the film for the music only. And we'll have the orchestra playing the entire soundtrack to the film live to the film. So that's going to be an incredible experience. No, it certainly sounds really entertaining, especially being able to make a much more immersive experience now. This is a unproven theory, but maybe with people, I shouldn't say glue, but maybe with people's attachment to their smartphones, maybe need to immerse people more into these experiences to really help them keep engaged, which I think we mentioned a little bit earlier with all these different metrics that you're tracking with in regards to the audience engagement, which I can certainly understand it's easy enough for someone just to go pull up their phone if they're facing, you know, maybe, and then there's nothing against the orchestra itself, but if they're ever in an environment where they're bored, you know, it's pretty easy for them to go pull up their phone almost as a handicap. And so how do you think about developing strategies to really help and attract, retain a audience, especially as it relates to not only regular concert goers, but getting people out there who may not even know they like classical music or maybe some different things. And I know you mentioned this a little bit with your past answer, but just curious to go see what your thoughts are on that. Technology and classical music is such an interesting crossroad. I've always been a proponent of technology, social media and our phones and all of those things. Of course, they can be distracting. They can get in the way. You have things like the TikTok now, and there's arguments to be made that we're training our attention spans to be shorter and shorter all the time. But I've always said that it's not the technology, it's how you use it and how you choose to use the technology. Myself, my phone is primarily used for music, but I also do a lot of reading and a lot of uh, research for my job. So I don't think phones are inherently one way or the other, but I do agree that we have, it's undeniable that people's attention spans have changed and people are looking for different forms of entertainment. The ways that we adapt and work with this are partially adapting and partially that it works in our favor as is, because how we adapt is that with all of this new means of communication and new ways to reach audiences, now we can connect with our audiences better. We can connect more directly with volunteers. We can talk to people directly on Facebook. Uh, we can start to see feedback from people better through metrics. And we can really have that avenue to get more information on who's paying attention to us, what they want to see. And then we can get more in touch with people. I'm very happy that we're in a world where people are able to go on to Facebook and check our Facebook, follow us on Facebook or see our website and see what we're doing anytime. They don't have to rely on outside sources. They can seek it out themselves. And that's great. It allows us to have that personal connection. Something that we really offer to people is when you come to the orchestra experience, you're leaving all of that behind for a minute. You're, you're leaving the fast-paced way that life works, the TikTok, the technology, and you're just bringing yourself to something that is clear of all that for two hours. It's basically two 45-minute sets-ish we have an intermission between. So it's like a cleanse. You know, it's like a digital cleanse when you come to the orchestra. I can certainly understand that. 
And so, Cameron, these next couple of questions are a part of our lightning round of questions. So what would you say is your most important daily habit? My most important daily habit? That's a good question. Music. I don't know if it's a habit or an addiction at this point, but music works for me in a lot of ways as kind of a a way to regulate my moods and my thoughts. I'm able to attach certain emotions or certain feelings to music. And then when I listen to a certain piece of music, a certain piece of music might make me feel more confident, more ready, more awake. Music really drives a lot of my day. You'd be surprised that, you know, when I wake up, the first thing I'm doing is listening to music in the morning. And as I'm getting ready, as I'm driving to work, as I'm here in my office, I have my speaker system going all the time. I'm very lucky to have this job. I'm very lucky to be in a position in life where I'm not being told to take out my headphones all day. I'm never told in this job that I can't listen to music. And that's great because that is definitely the most important to me habit of my day is the music that drives it. Cameron, because this is a little more of a music theme podcast episode, what would you say is your favorite TV show or movie that's been based around music, whether that may be based around an artist's life, the making of music or a documentary or anything else like that? Yeah, there's been a lot of, um, we've seen a lot of great kind of biopics. One of them was fictional. It was Tar, I think is the name of it. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. I've heard great things about that. I need to watch that one. And then there was another one called Chevalier about the history of Joseph Bolognais, who was a, a really incredible composer, this really wonderful composer and one of the most famous Black composers of all time during, I want to say it was the 1800s or, or something. It was around the same time as Mozart. So you could see the relationship there. That's a really cool one. Certainly really cool. And so if you can be remembered for just one thing, what would it be? Yeah, just caring. So many people kind of in the background will watch things that happen in our community and everyone has opinions about the community. But I guess if I could be remembered for something, it's caring enough to be one of the people that do things about it. And I guess to my, in my personal self, I've always lived my life in a way that I don't really care if I'm remembered or not. I try to live life by my own metrics and and I do what, what matters to me. I focus on what is important to me and I try to strengthen that. And I see what makes this city great to me. What do I love about this city? I try to focus on what can I do to make sure that those things get better? What can I do to make sure those things stay around? And how can I do that? So the being remembered, I guess, if it happens, is a byproduct of the doing. What's important to me is the doing and that the things that I care about are there for future people. Nothing that I can, me as a concept, me as a person, cannot really be as important as this orchestra and what the orchestra brings to our community. So for me, I'd rather the orchestra be remembered than myself. Definitely. And so for those people who want to learn more about yourself, Cameron, or about the orchestra, what are some good resources for the listeners out there? We're on Facebook as Saginaw Bay Symphony Orchestra. That's our full name, our full DBA. Well, you can find us online at saginawbayorchestra.com as well. And then you can, of course, see us at all of our concerts. We have five concerts here at the Temple Theater this season. They're on October 7th, December 12th, February 3rd, March 30th, and April 27th. They're all at 8 p.m. right here at the Temple Theater. So please join us there. Meet us in person. We have uh, great things like breakfast events and lunch events where you can meet our maestro and myself and our music director. 
and sit down and have conversations with us. We also have events where we'll do, you know, cocktails and stuff with our audiences. It's really a community here. This orchestra happens because people care about the music and this music matters to this community. So the community keeps the music coming. So we are always happy to have people involved with the orchestra because that means more people, more music. It's that simple. Well, thank you, Cameron. And thank you, everyone, for listening to another great episode of Mitt Money. Please don't forget to follow our podcast so you don't miss when new episodes drop. Thanks, Cameron. Hey, thank you. You've been listening to Mitt and Money, sponsored by TriStar Trust. Subscribe to the podcast and learn more about how William and the TriStar Trust team can guide your small business at TriStarTrust.com. <laughs>